the real culinary challenge, I think, for a lot of foreigners is something called shkimbechurba. <laughs> and shkimbechurba. I just love the yeah. names, man. That's a challenge in and of itself, getting that ordered. The Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, episode 376. Bulgaria is the only country in Europe that hasn't changed its name since it was first established, way back in 681 AD. In case you haven't noticed from previous podcasts, I like to get very excitable about things that I like. And if you have listened to other previous podcasts, you probably know that my favorite country in the world is Georgia. Now, in today's podcast, my good friend Mitko compares Bulgaria and Georgia. And I will say that if Bulgaria is even 80% of Georgia, I know that I will absolutely love it. Another thing that I get super excited about is my Tortuga backpack. And you know, if you've been listening to this show for any length of time, that Tortuga has been a sponsor of this show for a long, long, long time. And I have been using Tortuga backpacks for an even longer time. So you can bet that when I head to Bulgaria, whether it's 80% of Georgia or better than Georgia, that would be hard to believe, or not 80% of Georgia, hopefully that's not the case. I will be bringing my Tortuga backpack with me. So if you're looking for the best travel carry-on backpack out there, head to tortugabackpacks.com. Don't forget to use our special promo code EPOP. That will get you 10% off your entire order. Hello, travel nerds, and welcome to the Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, the show that teaches you how to travel more while spending less. I'm your host, Travis Sherry, and joining me today is someone who has been kind enough to bring me beers from Cincinnati and bring wit a stuffed Hey Hey doll, yes, it's from Moana, who has taught me everything, literally everything I know about Bulgaria, who's an integral part of our location indie team, and who can spur wanderlust in me about as quick as any person I've ever met, Mitko from ThatRemoteLife.com and host of That Remote Life podcast. Mitko, thanks for joining me. Huge welcome, my man. Hey, thanks. I'm happy to be here, man. I have learned, as I mentioned, everything I know about Bulgaria from you, which is not that much because after I learned it, you know, it's all these town names I don't know and I didn't write it down. So that's why we've got you on because typically our Destination Diary episodes are Heather and I riffing on a place that we've traveled to. But every so often I meet someone who knows a place so well, I just have to have them come and talk about it. And even though Bulgaria is super high on my list of places to go to, I didn't want people to have to wait a year or more until my Destination Diary episode on Bulgaria came out. So we've got you on because people need to get to Bulgaria as soon as possible, right? I, I totally agree. The sooner the better. Yeah, it is a fascinating place. So let's start because if you're like me, 
you probably know very little about Bulgaria. And so when we first started talking about this, Mika, when we met, you know, I, I knew you were Eastern European. I could tell that from the look, uh, <laughs> but I didn't know where. And then you're like, oh, I'm from Bulgaria. And I thought, hmm, I am stumped. I don't have any fact about Bulgaria. I can't name a city in Bulgaria. So I was completely stumped. Some other people are probably feeling the same way. Let's just go with a brief overview of Bulgaria. Like, where is it? What's it like? Kind of this general, if you were reading like the first page of A Lonely Planet on Bulgaria, what would it be saying? So Bulgaria is essentially located, uh, it's in Eastern Europe. Uh, it's on the Balkans. It is just north of Greece and south of Romania. So it's sort of like, I always say like people know about Greece and people know about Romania, but they're like, there's this like weird space in between that I don't really know what's there. That's Bulgaria. It's a very small country. It's about the size of like, I think Tennessee in like square miles. So it's quite small, but even though it's small, um, there's a lot of things within it. So I kind of say that it's kind of like a California in that the mountains are really close and the beach is really close and you can kind of go in between the two pretty quickly. Um, so yeah, there's a ton of stuff to see and a ton of stuff to do within that small of a space. So it's like California, except it's not crazy expensive and it's not going to fall into the ocean, right? Yeah, essentially. And we don't have any giant cities with terrible traffic, but right. yeah. Per so it's Shangri-La <laughs> at this point. So everyone, that's all you need to know. End podcast on Bulgaria, right? So you grew up in Bulgaria and you've got, I mean, you guys go back to Bulgaria every year. So yeah, what, give us kind of like your background and why you, well, why I consider you an expert and why you are an expert in Bulgaria, because you know it very, very well from both like a travel perspective, but also from a local's perspective. I was born in Bulgaria in a town called Varna, which is uh, the biggest like beachside town. Um, and I was born there. I grew up there. And when I was 10 years old, uh, my parents and I immigrated to the United States. Uh, we want a green card and it's kind of like a lottery. So we moved to the U.S. at that point and I've lived in the U.S. my entire life. So I went to school here and then I kind of found out about the whole digital nomad thing. And I was like, that's it. That's what I want to do. Uh, so I actually dropped out of college and I started figuring out how to start working remotely, how to start my own business and to be able to travel. And uh, so once I was able to start working remotely, I have since then started going to Bulgaria every summer uh, with my girlfriend, Sarah, because we love it there. Sarah, I think, actually like might love it more than I do. Um, but so we base ourselves out of there in the summer because it's a really good place if you want to explore Europe. It's a great place to base yourself out of. Uh, so yeah, we go there every summer and we love it. Was some of the desire to be a digital nomad spurred on by the fact that you wanted to have more opportunity to spend longer times in Bulgaria than just say, oh, I'm going to go for like a week vacation and have to come home? Um, I don't know if that was like the driving factor, but it's definitely something that I thought about in the beginning. You know, it's like I remember doing this backpacking trip with Sarah in like 2016, maybe. And it was like three weeks and we were staying in like cities for like two, three days. And I just remember thinking I just watched like the amount of money in my bank account. Like 
I mean, there wasn't a lot to begin with, uh, but I just watched it like drain and just thinking like this, this has to end very soon because we need to go back. I need to go back to my sweet lifeguarding gig at the time in order to make money. And so I was just thinking like, man, I want to do this forever. And I knew that the way to do it was I had to start making money remotely. So that's how that came around. Yeah, now you get the best of both worlds where you could say, hey, I can go to Bulgaria whenever I want. And we're going to talk about the best times to do that based on the regions of Bulgaria. But you don't have to be in Bulgaria. You don't have to be in the US. You could say, hey, yeah, this year I'm going to go because I want to be at the beach. Next year I'll go back. I'll go skiing in the winter, which Bulgaria has both. I've learned that. I have beach and skiing and, and good skiing and good beach, right? It's not one of those, oh, you can do both and you go up a little bunny hill and then, you know, you're in a little <laughs> kiddie pool of a beach. It's got both in spades, which is really, really cool. So, all right, let's talk about how to how to get there. And you mentioned it's a great base to explore Europe. And I think one of the things that people are maybe a misconception or unfamiliar with if they haven't spent a lot of time in Europe and especially in Eastern Europe is how close a lot of this stuff actually is to each other. You think, oh my gosh, Bulgaria, it's all the way over by Greece and and on the sea there. It must be forever away if I fly into a Western European city like Paris, London, Milan, something like that. It's actually pretty close and pretty accessible, even if you're coming into Western Europe. Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, we will regularly. So what we do is we get like cheap flights to anywhere in Western Europe. And then we know that the moment we get to Western Europe, getting to Bulgaria is quick and easy. Uh, you know, we have all the in Europe, there's like the really cheap airlines like Wizz Air and Ryanair. Um, so we will get the cheapest flight we can get to Europe. And that will usually be to like a big city like London or Paris or Oslo or something like that. Um, and then from there, we'll book a flight with Wizz Air or Ryanair. And I mean, that flight's like, 30, 40 bucks, like something like that. And yeah, like the flight from Bulgaria to anywhere in Western Europe is max two hours. It's uh, pretty easy. It's just as easy as traveling in the United States domestically. So you found it better to piece together your trip yourself that way. So cheap flight somewhere to Europe doesn't matter where exactly, as long as it's a hub, Frankfurt, Madrid, we talked about some of the other ones, get there and then, hey, let me hop a low-cost carrier budget airline over to where? Sofia, usually? Yeah, yeah, Sofia. Well, not always. It just depends. Like this year, we're flying directly into Varna, for example. Um, it just depends on... So Varna has become not like... It's way more popular than it used to be, but it's still not like a crazy popular tourist destination. However, many people are starting to discover it as a really like budget place that will offer you a lot for your budget essentially. Uh, and so more and more cities are, uh, are like making like direct flights to it. Uh, so I think this year we're flying from Dublin or London into Varna and it's something like 70 bucks or something like that. Um, so we're doing that this year. Uh, but yeah, if you get it direct, you essentially that portion of the flight from wherever you are in Western Europe to Bulgaria it tends to be more expensive if you fly with like the big airline carriers. So, uh, yeah, essentially take the big ones over to Europe and then from there get like Ryanair or Air, and it's no problem. It's very inexpensive. Are the flights to Varna typically seasonal? Like will those low cost carriers only fly in the summer because that's when Varna, since it's on the beach, is the hotspot? 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So they're seasonal. They're not available all the time. Uh, if you're going in the winter and you want to go to Varna in the winter for some reason, which I would say in the winter, there are better places to be in Bulgaria, but you would have definitely more difficulty finding a flight into Varna. Yeah, we're going to talk about pricing too in in a little bit because that's one of the big draws to Bulgaria itself. But I want to lay the landscape out a bit because you mentioned it's it's as big as Tennessee, but it's got a lot of distinct regions and areas. So let's set the scene for people there of like, all right, these are kind of the main parts of Bulgaria so that if you're not looking at a map right now, at least you can picture it. We've got the capital, Sofia, and we've got Varna, which is all the way to the east on the sea. And those are kind of the bookends, right, of of Bulgaria? Yeah, exactly. So imagine like Bulgaria essentially looks like a rectangle. I mean, it's not an exact rectangle, but, it, you know, just the general shape. And all the way on the very west side, on the left side, if you were like looking at it as a map, is Sofia. Uh, which we pronounce Sofia, and then all the way on the east side where the Black Sea is, is Varna, uh, and those are kind of like the furthest cities from each other. Uh, in the middle, the country split horizontally by a long mountain, uh, so it's really interesting because you will get very distinct like uh, climates on the like top half and the bottom half because the mountain kind of like blocks a lot of that, so it gives it like a really interesting kind of like climate sometimes. Uh, and then the south side and the north side, you'll have like valleys and, and that kind of stuff. Okay. So then you've got the the two main pillars. So I told you I learned a little bit from you recently, right? I have to say Sofia though. Sofia? Sofia. Uh, Sofia. Sofia. Okay. And it's I kept okay. saying- Everybody says Sofia, so it's not a problem. Yeah, Sofia. And I kept saying the sea because I was 99% sure it was the Black Sea, but I was like, wait. And for a second, my mind was thinking- Am I am I going to screw up here? All right, so we got the Black Sea, we got Sofia uh, on the two ends, and then in the middle, as you mentioned, you got this mountain range. So if people are coming to Bulgaria, what are the things that they should see? You know, obviously the capital city is cool, the beach is cool, but there is a lot more going on. It, I, from your perspective and, and from what you've taught me, it certainly punches above its weight when it comes to the size of a country and how many different things you can do. And I, I saw that a lot in Slovenia as well. It's just like, wow, this is the size of New Jersey and you've got crazy Alps and you've got the the sea here. It, it's cool when something is that small of a package because it's easy to get around, but you can go any season and there's a lot to do. So give us a little bit of where people where else people might want to go. And then we'll dive into each one of those. Yeah. About your point about Slovenia, that's, I think that that applies to like a lot of the Balkans period, because there is just so much variety in the Balkans that every country is going to have a lot of this, like, you know, like there's valleys or even like beaches for some of them. And then like awesome mountains that are like could compare to the Alps, you know? Um, so a lot of like the Balkan region, which unfortunately I think is still, not discovered by a lot of tourists, but that region of Europe just has so much variety for people to like look around and discover. And, and I, I'm seeing pictures of places all the time that I'm like, 
what? This is in Albania or in like Serbia? Kind of like I'd have never guessed it. Um, but as far as your question goes about what else, what there is to see, there's a lot to see in Bulgaria and I'm always finding places myself that I never knew about. Um, but I would say kind of like the really big things to hit would be definitely Sofia. It's an amazing city. It is definitely the most metropolitan city in Bulgaria. It's a proper like European capital, but still has that Eastern European flair. Um, a lot of the cities, this goes for all cities in Bulgaria, or at least most of the big settlements, is that they tend to be built on top of older like ruins. So, for example, the the Greeks, the the Turks, and the Romans have all been through Bulgaria. So you can kind of like walk through the city and sort of experience each one of those layers. And a really good example of that is actually um, one of the subway stops in Sofia, the one of the most central ones. When you walk out of the subway station, the first thing that you see are these like ruins. And you will see that actually what ended up happening is that if you like read like the little signs and stuff, when they started building the subway a couple of years back, they just like ran into these like Roman like ruins and stuff like that. And like, you know, they can't destroy them because they're like heritage sites. Uh, so they need to kind of like build around them. And so they've like used them to like give you this like Hey, like there's a lot of stuff underneath here. Um, so Sofia is really an incredible place to go see and to check out. Um, from there, I would say in the middle of the country is Plovdiv, which is depending on the year, I think it's like the second biggest city in Bulgaria at the moment. Plovdiv is really well known for being like very like artsy and kind of like hipster. Uh, it's currently the cultural capital of Europe, I believe, the 2019 cultural capital of Europe. So there's like if you go this summer, for example, uh, there's tons of stuff going on there at the moment. But they have these like really cool, like artsy, like hipster neighborhoods there that you can go around and, you know, it's it's like lovely and, and very nice there. Um, I'm not the biggest expert on Plovdiv, but that's kind of like what I'd say is like really cool to see there. And then obviously you have Varna, which is uh the kind of like love of my life in terms of like location. It's where I was born. It's got, for me, it's got everything in the summer. It's got a beautiful beach. It's a really nice lifestyle. Uh, I always tell people like, if you want to go somewhere and do sightseeing, Varna is not the place for you. You can probably do all the sightseeing you need to do in like a day. Like you can check out all the museums and all the kind of like monuments and stuff like that in about a day. But what Varna is really about is just having a really good time and just like enjoying your life and like going to the beach in the morning for like a coffee and then staying there to work at a beach bar and like listening to the music and chilling out and like meeting your friends and just, you know, it's just a good vibes, you know, those are sort of the, the, the three cities that I will tell people to definitely hit when they're traveling. There's another one in the middle of the country called Veliko Tornovo, which is really difficult to pronounce. We will link everything up in the show notes, yeah. guys. Good luck with that, Casey. <laughs> um, but what's really cool about that is that it's one of the old capitals of the Bulgarian like empire from like hundreds of years back. And it looks like, um, have you ever seen Lord of the Rings? Yes, but I fell asleep actually at the one when I was in the movie theater. I, I don't okay, know which so one. You know, you know, like the big like city, like that the people have like Minas Tirith, I think it's called like the one that's like built on a mountain. Veliko Tornovo looks like that where you will go there and you will see these like fortresses and like walls and like they're all lit up at night. It's really beautiful. Uh, but I would definitely suggest going to see that. It's kind of like, you know how I said that Bulgaria split horizontally in half and on the, on the lower side you have Plovdiv, which is that artsy town. And then it's like 
almost mirror image on the other side of the country is where Veliko Tordo is. Interesting. Um, is it easy? So, yeah. okay, well, getting between those, is that, is it like, do you, is there a road that just goes over the mountain or, or is it more difficult than that? Yes to both. Uh, there is a road that goes over in between them, but this is where like, you may have an adventure. Like I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I will tell you that sometimes like I've been like a little, like I'll go down a road in Bulgaria that I'm like, yes, like this is cool. And then I'll get down like two, three miles. And I'm like, Oh, this is not as easy as I thought it was going to be. Um, but I would say that the two main sort of like roads in Bulgaria start out from Sofia and then one goes South and then the other one goes North. Um, now obviously they connect in between in different places. Uh, there is a big road that kind of goes from Plovdiv to Velikotornovo that should be easiest, but I haven't done that road in like years, so I don't know. Would you recommend someone drive this? And, let, and let's give them some distance per, to, uh, to give some perspective from Sofia to Varna, which is on either end of the country. How far is that if you're, if you're driving or if you're on a bus that, that isn't stopping? Five to six hours. Okay, so all right, so you're essentially yeah, for me it'd be like essentially going across Pennsylvania or you know Ohio, similar where you are, or Tennessee. And then, would you recommend someone get a car? Because this seems like to me, I, and I, you know, I've driven through the Balkans, and you're right, there's some sketchy parts, but it's also I love driving through these areas because there's so many little things that you'll see just you know, villages up on the hills that you're like, oh, there's an old fortress. Let me just drive up this crazy road, get there and no one's around. So does Bulgaria have that? Like, is it something that if you were driving, there are a lot of little spots that, that again, you're not going to stop for a day, but you just like, you pull off, you go check something out and then you hop back in the car and you go. Oh yeah. I would, um, I, I think it comes down to like, are you like, Driving in Bulgaria is definitely more difficult than driving in the United States. Um, the same that, you know, a lot of European countries, that would be the same. Uh, so it comes down to like, yes, there's tons of places to see. And like you could make that drive take days because you were like, oh, I want to check out this little village and I want to check out this little village and kind of like keep going. But yeah, I would definitely suggest doing it. It just depends on like, are you comfortable with driving in Europe and maybe like test it out? I will tell you the cities are a lot more difficult to drive in than like the like open road uh, in the middle of the country. I would recommend it. I think that there are so many places that like I love taking the train and we can talk about that if you want to because that's definitely an adventure on its own. Yeah. Uh, but I, when I take the train and I'm just looking out, I'm always like, oh man, like I wish I was in a car right now so I could pop into this little town or whatever. I think there's a lot to see and people should definitely try it out. Drives on the right side of the road, so similar to the U.S.? Yes. Yep. Yes. All right, yeah. I assumed as much. And then if they, all right, someone isn't going to drive because someone's like, yeah, I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to have a car. Like I'm going to be in Sofia. I'm going to be in Varna a lot. I don't, I don't need a car in those areas, right? Like you wouldn't need a car if mm -hmm. you're in Varna or Sofia, right? You could no. Okay. No, no. So if you don't need a car in there and you're just thinking, yeah, I'm not even going to bother with with driving around because I don't I don't need to have this all the time. What are some other options for them to get throughout Bulgaria? Okay, so let me split this one in in sort of like two sections. One I'll tell you in between the country and then I'll tell you in the cities as well because I think that's important too. So if you're trying to go from like Sofia to Varna, for example, I think the easiest and probably the most options that you'll get is from taking a bus. Buses are all over in Bulgaria. You can go to just about any part of Bulgaria using a bus uh, and they're very affordable and they're pretty quick. 
I would say buses are probably the easiest and fastest way to get anywhere in Bulgaria. However, if you're if you want if you have an adventurous spirit and you want to see something that most travelers will not get to see, I highly suggest taking the the train from Sofia to Varna or Varna to Sofia. It really doesn't matter um, because the trains are from like the 50s and they don't have AC. Uh, the windows, some of them don't open and like click. So imagine like you're in like a metal box in the summer, the window opens, but like sometimes like shuts on itself. So like we've before had to like tie it with like Apple charging cords in order for like to stay open, but it's just such an awesome experience. You feel like you go back in time, especially the two hours in and out of Sofia. So if you're going from Sofia to Varna, the first two hours when you're leaving are just absolutely gorgeous there is a river called iskur which is like it's kind of like goes like north of sofia and it has made a gorge kind of like a, a gorge that you would have in the united states like you know if you think about the grand canyon but like a thousand times smaller uh that's kind of been cut out by this river and the train kind of like hugs the side of that gorge and you will see just like the most beautiful views and sometimes these like little towns that are like almost like clinging onto the edge of this like cliff or gore. Oh man, it's absolutely gorgeous. Um, you know, like I said, it might not be the most comfortable thing in the world. It's a little bit slower. Uh, it will take you like between like seven and eight hours, but like you get there and you're like, this was kind of an adventure, you know? So we've done it a couple of times and it's awesome. Can you get off the train? Like if you see a town and you're like, this is awesome. I want to spend an hour here, get lunch or whatever, or I want to spend the night. Can you get off the train and, and be close to some of these like towns and spend a night there and then get back on and go later? Yeah, you can definitely do that. There are several big towns that it goes through. I can't exactly name them just because I'm not that big of an expert on the exact route that, that, that the train takes. Uh, but you will constantly be stopping in like small towns and like small villages that you can definitely like grab another ticket from I would imagine now if you pick the wrong town where and there's like a hundred people and they're all in the ages of like 60 plus you may have a little bit more difficulty speaking English and buying a ticket um, but again you know if you're up for it, that's a different type of adventure you'll probably end up getting a meal with some like local like grandma or something like that and a ticket a ticket and a meal <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, there you go. Uh, so yeah, there's definitely certain towns. In fact, um, there is one stop right in the middle of the route from Sofia to Varna where the, the train takes like a little bit longer of a stop and you will see essentially the entire train exits and runs to all these like little like like food booths and you can get like little Bulgarian hot dogs with like all, all kinds of food and you just watch people like rush out and then they all come back in with like all this food because then like the train doesn't really stop anywhere else that has like you can like refuel kind of. Uh, so, yeah, that's always fun. And you're kind of like running out there and you're like, oh, man, like I hope the train doesn't leave. <laughs> so, yeah, I've, I've had a couple of scares on that, but it, it's a lot of fun. You mentioned speaking English. Is it fairly easy to get by only speaking English in, in Bulgaria? Yeah, I would say 95% of the places that you'll go to in Bulgaria, people will speak English. Uh, anybody that's under the age of 40, I'd say a majority of them speak English well enough to help you out. Once you get to a certain population that's older than that, a lot of them perhaps don't speak English, but they will speak like Russian for sure. Um, oh, sweet. I'll just brush off my Russian then. Yeah, you you don't you don't know Russian? You haven't like learned it yet? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so, you know, it's kind of like, it just 
wherever you are, find somebody that's like younger and a majority of the time they will speak English. Cool. And then you talked about, all right, so we, we've got Varna, we've got Sofia, if, and, and some of these towns, Plovdiv and the other one that I'm not even going to try to pronounce, on the, the mirror image of Plovdiv <laughs> on the other side of the mountain. Right. There's also some skiing, right? I mean, I, I, I knew, actually, I shouldn't say you taught me everything I knew about Bulgaria, because somewhere deep in my brain, when you told me about this ski place called Bonsko, I had read about it before, and it was a refresher, that it's a pretty big and awesome mountain and i i think the article i read had said they were they were going like best bang for your buck skiing in all of europe like how good is the mountain compared with how much it cost and bonsko was on that top five list and i remember seeing it and thinking whoa this is a big mountain with some good terrain and it's fairly cheap so that's that's another i guess specific thing that you might want to visit in the winter is is there a reason to visit bonsko in that area not in the winter? Is it, you know, like a four-season type place? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, Bonsko has, like, recently, I think especially, like, in our circles, has become really popular because it's kind of become, like, a digital nomad hub in Bulgaria recently. Um, they opened up a co-working space and co-living space there. I think it's just called, like, Bonsko Co-working. Um, and so you can go there, and there's, like, a good place to work if you do work remotely. But Bonsko is uh, very, very affordable. That's why a lot of people go there. And it is a pretty legit like skiing and snowboarding mountain. Uh, so you can go there uh, in the winter and get like really affordable passes. Like I think when we talked last time, like I think we found out it was what, like 700 bucks a season or something like that. Right. 700 uh, bucks a season, or, like four, like $30 a day or maybe even a little yeah. less than that. So yeah. Right. And in terms of like finding accommodations there, it's really, really cheap. So you can easily find Airbnbs or hotels there. Now, the thing about Bonsko is that Bonsko has kind of like become really popular, but there's like 30 other towns around it that maybe are not as big, but you can also find accommodations in and they also have their own like skiing and snowboarding. Um, so for example, there's like Borovitz is another one that's kind of like small that's around there um, that you can check out. Uh, but yeah, there's several other towns around there uh, that you can ski and snowboard at. In the summer, there's really great hiking in that area. So you can go down there and hike and stay at the hotels and just enjoy nature. From there, you can also, the really nice thing about Bonsko is it's about like two, two and a half hours from Sofia. So it's like a really easy bus ride. Um, and then just a little bit further south from it is this town called Melnik, which is like well known for being the smallest Bulgarian town. And it's in like a gorge as well. Uh, so you like, if you like Google it, it's like a little town and then there's like the gorge walls on the sides of it, but it's really well known for being a really popular, uh, wine growing region. So if you love wine, Bulgaria has tons of different varieties of grapes that we make wines from. Some of them only found in Bulgaria and you can go to these towns like Melnik and you can like taste the wines in the summer. And, uh, Melnik is really popular for having like every hotel and like bed and breakfast has its own like, uh, like place underneath it. What is that called? Like a, like wine a cellar, cellar? Yeah, yeah, a wine cellar where you can go there and like drink and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot to do in that region, both in the summer and in the winter. Interesting. I remember being in Georgia and everyone makes wine. Like you would never think of Georgia, the country as a wine place. Uh, actually, uh, apparently is the oldest winemaking region in the world. And then, you know, that's on the other side of the Black Sea 
from Bulgaria. So you have a similar feel where it's like, hey, there's just a ton of wine being produced by basically everyone. Uh, yeah. You know, everyone who's got a little B&B has their own vineyard and is producing wine. Now, where are we on the rectangle? You said it's about two and a half hours from Sofia. Is it north or south? Like bottom left. So like the southwest kind of like area of the rectangle. It's interesting that you bring up Georgia, by the way, because there's actually a lot of Georgians that come and live in Bulgaria. And it's like a very like, I feel like, and everybody that I've heard that's gone to Georgia and what they tell me in pictures and like whatever, like travel information that I've seen, they seem really, really similar. Definitely the culture is really similar. The people look very similar as well. Um, so there is a lot of that um, kind of like similarity between the two. So if you like Georgia, then you're probably really going to like Bulgaria. And if you like Bulgaria, you're probably going to really like Georgia. The other thing about the wine is do not be surprised if you find like homemade wine. Everybody in Bulgaria makes two basically alcohols. Well, not everybody, but people tend to make two homemade alcohols, and that's wine. And then the other one is rakia, which is like our moonshine that's made from like different fruits. So basically, everybody's grandpa makes their own wine in the rakia. So you will find it like you can be walking down the street, and there'll be like some grandma or grandpa sitting on the side of the street. They'll be selling you like homemade wine or rakia. So yeah, you can get that a lot. Nice. All right, we're going to talk about food and drink in a second, but I wanted to put together an itinerary for someone who is interested in coming to Bulgaria. So let's say, you know, we talked about this in Location India. It's great for as a hot spot if you want to go and be a digital nomad for a month, two months, three months, and, and that's all well and good. So you have that option. But if someone's looking to come to Bulgaria for for a vacation, for a trip, what would you have them do? And I know this changes based on the season. So let's start with summer, and then we'll we'll go into some of the other air, uh, some of the other seasons as well. But if someone's coming for summer and they've got, let, let's give it ten to fourteen days, a, a little under two weeks. What should they do to get a really good overview of the entire country, and where should they spend the most time? So if you're coming in the summer, here's the itinerary, and this is like what I would do. Okay. So fly into Sofia and spend a couple of days there. Uh, you can do free walking tours in Sofia and kind of like get like a better understanding of like Bulgarian culture. Uh, there's actually a really cool like uh, bar tour that you can do in Sofia that I've done. So they'll take you around to some of these like really cool old like bars that are popular in Sofia. And you can kind of like get to know the city. It's a really good introduction to Bulgarian culture while also being a relatively like familiar European. You know, if you've been to a European city, you'll, you'll feel at home there. Um, from there, I would take the bus and go down to uh, two places, the Rilla Monastery, which is kind of like in that it's not like in Bonsko, but it's in that bottom like left, like kind of like quadrant that we talked about. I'll do the Rilla Monastery, which is a monastery in sort of like the mountains. And it's really beautiful. If you search Bulgaria in like Google Images. I'm sure one of the first like top images going to pop up is going to be that. It's really beautiful. Uh, it's kind of like a very old historic location. From there, I would do the seven Rilla lakes, which are these seven small lakes that are all kind of like, if you imagine a mountain, it's like seven lakes that are not connected, but they're almost like, like 
in the same family. And they're all kind of like one is at the very, they're almost like on like steps. So the higher you go, the like different lakes you see, and they're very, each of them are very unique. So they have different names. Uh, so that is like a really cool hike to do in the summer that a lot of people will do, especially tourists. And I highly recommend it because it's, it's gorgeous. How, how um, difficult is that hike? Like doable for your average person? I will say your average person, it's doable, but you, I mean, it's a good exercise. Let's put it that way. Yeah. So it's a, uh, and, it's and a full, tall. a full day, like that's a yeah. full day going up and down. Yeah. I think that there's lifts that will take you to sort of like the very start of it. So it's not like you're starting from like zero. Um, but I mean, it is like, just be prepared. It's a full day. Yeah. Grab your sunblock, um, grab your walking shoes, pack a yes. lunch and Definitely. Yeah, dig in. All right. A hundred percent. Um, if you do like hiking, I- I'll move on, I promise. But if you do like hiking and you're in Sofia, there is a, uh, mountain just outside of Sofia that you can actually, like, if you don't want to go and do the seven real lakes or any of those longer hikes, that is a really cool place. It literally takes like a couple of hours and it's just outside of uh, the city, but it's still really, really nice. I, I suggest and that. And what's the name of that and how would you get there? Like you could take a bus to it and do a day trip maybe? It's called Vitusha. And you can actually take a taxi. So you can tell the taxi to take you to like the start of like the hike, like at the bottom of Vitusha. And it's probably like a 30 minute taxi and then you can just go. Uh, so it's it, you can see it anywhere in the city. From there, if we're going from the Seven Real Lakes, I would go to Plovdiv. Uh, it's, I think Plovdiv is the oldest European city. So it's got tons of history. It's got tons of really beautiful things to see. Like I said, it's very artsy, good food. Uh, we talked about that, so I'm not going to go into much more detail. Um, and and I how would long say, would like, you spend, spend there? Okay, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, there you go. I'm cutting you off, man. You already got it. I would say, no, you're good. I'd say like maybe like a day or two. Um, I've heard I've heard very different reports from people where like some people will say they got bored really quickly and then other people who like wanted to stay longer. So I would say it's like, if you know yourself and you know like what you like, um, and if you're kind of like into the arts and that kind of stuff, then maybe plan a little bit longer there. But if not, you know, see the sites and then move on. From there, I would go to Varna, which is, I mean, personally, that's where I'm going to spend the most time because I think it is one of the best places to be in the summer. Um, that's just my opinion. Uh, but I really like it there because you can hit the beaches, you can hang out, you know, uh, eat a lot of good food. You can do a lot of like stuff like if you like partying and like nightlife bulgaria has a lot of great nightlife um essentially the entire like beach strip is lined by these like little like beach bars or beach clubs so you can find and each one kind of like tailors to like a different person i would say so there's a lot to do there um so i would spend a couple of days in bulgaria i definitely spend like if it's in the summer i'd spend the majority of the time in in varna just because you know, you want to be on the beach and I'm just going to sit on the beach all, all the time and sail and go wakeboarding and do all that kind of stuff. From there, I would take a trip. It would take about two hours by bus or by car to a small seaside town called Suzopo, which is essentially there's two really big cities on the coast. It's Varna in the north and then in the south is Burgas. And Underneath Burgas, just about 30 minutes south of there is Suzopo. And Suzopo is just like, if you've ever seen pictures of like Dubrovnik in Croatia, it's kind of like that, except 
a lot smaller. Um, and it's kind of built into the cliffs. So if you search pictures of it on Google, you're going to see these like cliffs and like literally coming out of the cliffs are the houses. And it is a very, very old town. Um, tons of like ruins that you can see from like the Roman period and the Greek period. It used to be like a Greek settlement like thousands of years ago. Um, and another really cool thing about it is that they have like a fig problem almost where like the whole city is just covered in fig trees, which is like the best problem to have. And you can just walk through town and like pick figs off of like any tree. They make this amazingly killer fig jam that they will then take crepes and they will put it on the crepes. Dude, I am telling you, my mouth right now is watering just thinking about how good it is. Um, it's it's phenomenal. You have beach views from any place in Suzopo. It's absolutely stunning. And there is also really good diving there. So I would definitely say hit like two, three days in Suzopo if you can. And then from there, I would take the like highway back to Sofia to fly out. Okay. So if you can't have a money tree, the next best tree is a fig tree and you make that fig In my book, 100%. All right. So, and and if you were going to do it in the, so that takes us through the summer. And, and honestly, a lot of people probably go in the summer because if you want a beach and you want a cheap beach destination, this makes a great option while also giving you not just the beach, right? Like you're going to Sofia, you're going to Plovdiv, you're getting to see the hills and mountains and all that and the cities, but you spend, you know, a week or so at the beach relaxing as well. If you were going to do it in the spring or fall, what would you change? Would it be just a couple days in Varna based because you're not going to like lay on the beach as much, but it's still beautiful. And then you'd spend some more time in some of the other areas. Yeah, I would say reduce the amount of time that you're going to be on the beach and increase the amount of time time that you're going to be in the mountains and maybe hit like a couple more, more places in the mountains. And I don't have like a specific place to tell you. I would just say like pull up a map and just kind of like throw some dartboards, you know, at it and somewhere in like the mountains, like small towns. You can't go wrong. I really like there's a small town called Elena, which is really pretty uh, that I've been to. But there's a ton of these like little towns that you can hit up. Um there is another region just above Sofia called Sfoge, which historically is where like the Bulgarian chocolate is made. And it's in that gorge that I was telling you about where the river cuts through it, that the train passes through. So I think that would be a really nice area for like hiking and stuff like that. But yeah, essentially, I would reduce the amount of time on the beach and increase the amount of time like hiking and out in the mountains and that kind of stuff. And what about winter then? Would would you recommend Bulgaria in the winter if if they were not like if you weren't going just for a ski destination, right? If you're like, oh, maybe I'll ski or maybe I won't a little bit or I won't ski at all. Would you recommend going to Bulgaria? And if so, what should people do? If if you're not into skiing and snowboarding and those sorts of outdoor sports in Bulgaria, I mean, it just depends on like what you want to do. I would definitely say if you are into those things, I would say go to Bulgaria and then just stick to like the Sofia Bansko region. Um, and not just those two places. Like I said, there's several other places that you can go, but you will definitely go and like ski and snowboard your heart out. If you don't like those things, personally, my very first answer would be like go somewhere warm in the winter. So not Bulgaria because Bulgaria does have four seasons and it does get cold in the winter. So that's what I would say is like go to like the bottom of Greece or, or something like that. Um, but yeah, if you like skiing and snowboarding, you can definitely go to Bulgaria and I would just like, you know, not go to the beach side and to the seaside and I would stay in like the mountains. Would you compare the weather to somewhere like Pennsylvania, Philadelphia, Ohio? Like, is it that northeast 
type four seasons, definitely going to get cold in winter, going to snow. And then in the summer, it's going to be pretty hot. And, and is it humid there? We do joke like in Varna that it's humid in the summer, but then I came to the United States and it's not that humid compared to the like Ohio, like where you literally can feel like you're just like melting from humidity. It's not that bad because we have like the the seaside, Um, but it is like the Northeast. Um, It does get cold in the winter. In some parts of the country, it snows while in others it doesn't. So like Varna, for example, from my memory, it doesn't snow that much. It's just like kind of like very windy and cold because of the sea right there. Um, but in other parts of the country, it definitely snows a lot. Uh, but it has four distinct seasons. So it's like the I think the Northeast is a, is a good region to compare it to. And what would you say, because we talked about each season, what people would do, but what to you is the sweet spot of someone coming to to Bulgaria. Would it be the summer? I mean, I know I see you like smiling like, yep, it's the summer. Just take my summer itinerary and roll with it. I mean, man, I'm a summer child. Like, give me the beach, give me sailing, give me windsurfing, give me wakeboarding, like sitting on the beach with a beer and like, you know, like we have this drink called Menta with Sprite and it's this like creme de menthe with like Sprite and it's like super refreshing. Like that is what I do. Like, so I would say hit the summer. I wouldn't say August because that's sort of like the busiest time, but like June, Oh man, June is lovely. September is really nice. Like the beginning parts of September are really nice. I mean, I would say just go for the whole summer, but you know, cause I like to hit, I like to get in there in May and then leave in September. So I get like the nice summer, you know, ah, so good. Okay. All right. So you've got us sold on going to Bulgaria, but there, it gets even better because we're going to start talking about prices now. And not only can you have it all, like you mentioned with, with the mountains and the beach and and all that, but you can have it at a fraction of the price that you would pay to have a similar experience in the south of France or or obviously in the U.S. or going out to California. So let's talk some prices. If someone's coming, just give us a, a an overview of maybe some fun things that they would pay for and what those would be comparatively. Yeah, so this is where you and I really like that we're both very frugal and especially like I love seeing what I'm getting for what I'm paying. Like that's just like my favorite thing in the world. Right, it's like it's value, right? You know ah, it's an awesome experience and it's made five times better because you're paying one-fifth the price. Oh yeah, so my girlfriend Sarah, her favorite thing to do on Instagram is to like post pictures of these like awesome things that we're eating and then like say what it costs in like US dollars and just watch everybody rip their hair out because they're so angry. The currency in Bulgaria is called the LEV, L-E-V, and it's one LEV is equal to about 50 US cents. So anything that you hear divided by half and you get the dollar price, okay? Okay, nice and easy, like um, that. Yeah, it's, it's super easy. It's not like Indonesia or something crazy like that where it's some crazy add, math. Add 17 zeros, you're like, I don't even know yeah, what's happening. exactly. All right, so let's talk about uh, accommodations and okay. stuff like that, like the bigger price things, and then we'll get into food and activities. Yeah, so accommodations, if you're talking about Airbnb, and obviously there's going to be some difference in terms of like where in Bulgaria you're going and when, 
but you should not have issues finding anything in the 20 to $45 a night region uh, with everything that you need in there. Um, obviously in Varna, if you're going in the summer, the prices do jump in the summer and they do hit the top region of that or more sometimes, depending on the, if you're getting really bougie. Um, but in Sofia, for example, like you can definitely find places for like 30, 35 bucks a night on Airbnb. It gets even cheaper if you're going for longer. So this is something that we talked about last time, uh, when we talked about Bulgaria is that I had a friend who came to Bulgaria. He's going to stay for three months and he rented a place off of like just normal Bulgarian local like apartment rental websites. And I think he was paying something like 250 or $300 a month for a two bedroom, fully updated, modern apartment in the center of the city in like the best part. And then what he did was he just like, essentially like broke his lease and he had to pay like 100, 150 bucks for his fine. So it was like the amount of money that you save going local is much easier. So the accommodations, I'd say if you're going for just like a week or two, Airbnb is your best bet. But if you're going for longer, maybe get an Airbnb for a week or two and then see what's available locally uh, and just kind of like, you know, play in the gray zone, so to say. What about hotels then? If someone's like, if someone's like, I'm going through Sofia in, in, in two days ish. So I'm not going to like deal with having to get in an Airbnb. I just want to kind of hang out, like show up, hang out, move on. What would that be if you're looking at just a regular, you know, nice three star? You're not, yeah, you're not going five star, but just a regular hotel. Would that be maybe that top range of Airbnb, like something like $45 a night ish? Full disclosure, I'm not a hotel stayer, but I just did a really quick Google search here. So uh, this is this is what I found. I started smiling because I, I honestly did not know what I was going to tell you. Um, but just at looking at this, and I'm recognizing some of the buildings in Sofia, for example. So this is why this is funny. The Sofia Hotel Balkan, which is like a very luxury building. And I'm pretty sure it used to be the communist headquarters at one point. I'm not sure about that, just based on the pictures. And sounds about right with the name, right? <laughs> yes. $91 a night. Um, okay. So I would say that's like a pretty doable price, especially like what you would be getting for that same price in the US. But there's definitely places that I'm seeing for like, 50 bucks, 30 bucks, you know, 76. Uh, there's one for 16, which I'm like, I don't know about that. Why is it so low compared to everything else? Um, but yeah, I would definitely say in that same region, you'd be good. And then you can definitely, the good thing about Bulgaria, and this is why I think you and Heather will both like it, is that you can play both things. Like you can be really frugal and still have a good experience. But if you want to be bougie, you can be really bougie and have a really good time. And then look at your like bill and be like, oh, this was actually still kind of frugal, you know, so. We did a similar thing like that when we were in Budapest and we called it our bougie Budapest trip because obviously you can get stuff for like 20, 30 bucks a night and it's nice and normal and, and fine. And, you know, you can go to coffee shops and get a dollar coffee, but we did it kind of top end of everything. It's We had a two bedroom apartment and it was $80 a night and it was really nice. And then we went and got like the $2.50 coffee because it was the hippest places and the best brunch place for $7 instead of 3 So I guess you kind of have a similar thing there in Bulgaria, maybe with the prices just being a touch lower, where if you go to the, the nicest place for brunch, you're going to pay 8 bucks, 7 bucks, but you can go to a regular place and pay a couple dollars. So I listened to that episode when you guys were talking about that. And the whole time I was just like, oh, man, just just wait, 
just just wait until you come to Bulgaria and then just like really go crazy. We went, uh, so two friends of ours, uh, Ian and Caroline, who came to Varna and they three weeks. We went out to this super nice restaurant on the beach. So like literally our feet were in the sand. There's like an open like grill. There's a guy who came over and brought like, you know, those like little like wine tables where they like put the like wine on ice. Do you know what I'm talking about? So they brought one of those things out. They like poured us wine for us to taste. I don't know anything about wine. But anyways, in terms of experience, phenomenal. We get the bill and for the four of us total, we each had like three plates. Like the, the table was covered in food. We paid like 50 bucks. For the four of us. For four, so for you're like, at like twelve dollars yeah. a person at that point. Oh yeah, yeah. I think that might be one of the best things to do in Bulgaria. Actually, is like go there and say like, "Hey, I'm gonna spend a little bit more, but I'm just gonna live like a king, you know, and just go to all these nice places that like you maybe can't afford normally, and just like live that experience for a little bit." Yeah, so we talked about it a little bit. You you mentioned that it was similar, and, and we use this. I use this as a baseline a lot because I think a, a a lot of people have been there and they know it's a cheap place. Where you said it's similar to somewhere like Thailand or Southeast Asia, like it's it might be a touch more expensive. But you're saying you know you could come and live here for fifteen hundred dollars a month and live very very well, or or a thousand dollars a month if you were a single person and live very very well. Yeah, I think the average Bulgarian brings home something like a thousand leva per month, I think, is like an average salary. So that's like five hundred dollars. I mean, so if you, you know, like you like just do the math on that and like that's like raising a family and having kids and that kind of stuff. Um, in terms of like Thailand, it is a touch more expensive. Like you're not going to find like full blown meals of like cow soy for like a dollar, you know, um, but you will definitely find things for like two or three dollars that, you know, and then there, this is the difference where it's like, but you're eating like Mediterranean food, which is a lot more expensive. So yeah, um, talk. All right, yeah. we're going to talk about the food because you made an awesome comparison to me or an awesome analogy to me that I was shocked by because I thought Bulgarian food in my head. I'm like, okay, all this sounds great, but the shoe's going to drop when we talk about food because it's going to be your typical meat and potatoes and heavy Eastern European food. And I'm going to be enjoying the beach, but I'm going to sit there with a belly full of like <laughs> boiled potatoes and be like, eh, not exactly what I want. And you said, no, like I was, I'm totally wrong about that. So how do you describe Bulgarian food and what are some of the things that people should eat, specific things that people should eat when they're there? Yeah. So I always say, and this is the analogy that you're probably talking about is like, if you take like Mediterranean food, like, you know, like imagine like Greek Italian food and if that, and then Arabic food, like met and they had a baby, it's Bulgarian food. And the reason for that is that we've both been like under like, Roman and Greek sort of like like rule and then we spent 500 years under Ottoman rule so essentially those two sort of like culinary traditions mixed in Bulgaria and it, it's not wrong of you to think that because I think a lot of people here Eastern European and they think exactly those sort of like Polish kind of like cuisine but it's not. It couldn't be further from the truth. I eat nothing but salads when I'm in Bulgaria because we have a huge salad tradition. So at any restaurant that you go to, you're going to 
open up the menu and the like first two pages are all going to be salads and like different types of salads with like meat, with like, with like, uh, you know, shellfish or with like this and that, like whatever. There's so many, just so much, so many different things. And one of the other things is like, uh, this is like the greatest culinary marketing I've ever seen, but every menu, not every, let's say 85% of the menus in Bulgaria, you're going to open it up and they're going to have pictures of all the dishes so that I make it super easy for you to just be like, I want that and point right at it. But then also you're going to open it up and you're just going to be like, okay, this all, can I just eat the menu please? You know, like it just looks so good. So yeah, the food is like one of the best things about Bulgaria, if you ask me. What other than the fig crepes are just highlights of like, you're coming to Bulgaria, you got to get this, 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 like don't miss out on this or try this multiple places because it's going to, you know, we, we're known for this and you're going to get different versions of it if you're in different areas. Yeah. So you have to have Shopska salad. It's essentially like the most Bulgarian thing ever. It's like tomatoes, cucumbers, peppers, uh, Bulgarian feta cheese, which is like, imagine like the Greek feta, but like uh, more like fatty. So it's like, it's it just like, it more creamy, I should say, not fatty. Uh, and that's shredded on top with like parsley and red onion and then like olive oil and vinegar. It's, it's phenomenal. Uh, and we also, something to know about Bulgarians, we put yogurt and cheese on everything. So you'll see that as options everywhere. So like a really great bar snack, by the way, this blue Sarah, my girlfriend's mind when she had it the first time is French fries with shredded feta cheese on top. It's at every bar and you get it and it's, it sounds like such a little twist, but it's so good. It's such a game changer. Um, so definitely that, um, you can have tons of different meats uh, at a lot of restaurants. What you have is something called Meshanaskara and directly translated. That means mixed meats, like mixed grill. Uh, mixed grilled meat. And I would say like order that because it's going to come with like five or six different varieties of like tubed meat and like other grilled deliciousness and just try it. And then if you like something, grab like a server and be like, Hey, what is this? And then they'll tell you, and then you can just get it everywhere. Right. Um, we have like Bulgarian, um, meatballs, which we call kufteta and they are, they're different than like most meatballs and other, parts of the world because we put things in them so it's not just like a ball of meat but it's got like spices and like onions and stuff like that in there a lot of greek things that you'll probably recognize like moussaka or like um domatas if you know what that is in greek um so we have our own name from in in bulgaria but you'll recognize them as like domatas like the grape like rolled leaves if you're feeling adventurous uh this is something that people don't like at first but then give them a couple of like, just try it a couple of times and everybody loves it. And that's Tarator. And Tarator is, have you ever had tzatziki? Yep. So like the yogurt with like the cucumbers yep. it is the soup version of that. So. Interesting. Okay. All yeah. right. So, so you're, like you're watered eating. Down yo- All right. Yeah. So it's watered down yogurt with olive oil and like salt and garlic. And then like you have very finely chopped cucumbers with dill on top. And I know how that sounds. Like, I know that me telling you it does not sound great, but dude, it is so good. It's so good. And then the other thing, this is the real, the real culinary challenge, I think, for a lot of foreigners is something called shkimbechurba. And shkimbechurba. <laughs> I just love the yeah. names, man. That's a challenge in and of itself, getting that ordered. Yeah. So shkimbechurba is essentially like stomach soup directly translated. And it's tripe. If you've ever had tripe. Sure. Yeah, I have okay. in uh, in Italy and, and stuff like that. Yep. Okay. So this is essentially, it's a milky, spicy broth with tripe inside. 
and you get uh, like <laughs> this gets better and better when I when I like explain it. You get as a side it like a, a very normal thing to put in it is actually like vinegary garlic. So you have like garlic that's been like soaking in vinegar and you like scoop it in there. Now this is what you drink. Let me lay a scene for you. You've been out partying all night. It's three. 3.30 in the morning, you're walking back from the bar after having many a drinks, and every restaurant on the way back, because restaurants in Bulgaria stay open, like, if not 24 hours, you know, not 24-7, like, 20, you know, hours out of the day. Right, like, they're closed from, like, 4 a.m. to 7 a.m. just right. to clean up, to do the dishes. Exactly, just for the other shift to come in. Uh, but you will be walking back from, like, the, the bars, and you will see people in restaurants eating this because it is like the hangover like the hangover like like remedy before the hangover kicks in or to like just get you all that garlic all those like flavors like just get you to the bed you know so uh yeah i recommend that try it at least once you might not love it but you gotta try it all right so you have to drink like seven beers and then you have to try because you need the whole experience you can't just try it at like 5 p.m when you're sitting down for dinner yeah, and then everybody after 5 p.m. with all that garlic is going to hate you. So definitely do it before you go to bed. Nice, nice. All right, talk about drinking a little bit. You mentioned that that's pretty cheap as well. A lot of wine, a lot of rakia, or however you pronounce ra- ra- You say it a little different. Rakia. Rakia, yeah. yeah. Um, and then beer as well. So what are we paying to go out and get, like, at a restaurant, glass of wine, liter of beer, not a, well, liters a lot, but, you know, a, a pint of beer? Okay, so wine you're paying like three to four leva per glass, so like two bucks per glass. Uh, we actually had friends of ours that we told them how much we paid, and it was like four or five leva, and they're like, "Oh my god, like you got robbed! Like what did you do?" And I was like, "I don't, I'm good with this. Like this is me getting robbed. This is fine." Um, so there's that, um, lick, like vodka and like rakia, um, a couple bucks as well. Like definitely not like super expensive. Um, beer, which is, I will tell you in terms of alcohol, I know the most about. So beer, I can actually tell you the exact prices, which is sort of embarrassing, but there is a, a beer that I really like. Bulgaria is still mostly like a lager kind of country. So there's not a huge craft beer scene, although it is coming up. And if you want to look for it, you can find it. Um, you can get a beer for about two leva, 250 leva, which is about like a, what, like a dollar 50. And that's at a restaurant. Uh, my favorite is Zagorka Retro, and it comes so it's like the Zagorka like retro because it's unpasteurized, so it's always fresh. Um, it's really really good. I recommend that one. Just a simple, easy drinking beer. Um, but the thing that always really shocks uh, foreigners when they come to Bulgaria is that you were actually right on the money when you said liter, because beer in Bulgaria does come in two liter bottles, so like a big Coke bottle. And that will cost you at a store maybe like a left 50, so like 75 cents. You know, the drinking age in Bulgaria is 18, but in reality, no one really cares. So like when you're like, when like hair starts coming on your face as a guy, they're like, all right, like whatever. Right. And if you're Bulgarian, um, that's probably when you're like 11. <laughs> no, I don't know about 11, but if you're like, like 16, like, you know, 15, like kind of like the rules get a little gray and foggy in terms of drinking. Um, but you will see like, like these like teenagers who have like two of these like two liter bottles and then just like go out, you know, in the 
night. Like they, there's like the, the drinking for them for the night. So uh, yeah, that that always shocks people when they come to Bulgaria. And there's no like, you know, here in the US, like you can't drink on the street. Like that's that does not exist in Bulgaria. So go ahead, go find a nice bench in the park or something like that. And, you know, bring a couple like bring like a bottle of wine or like some beers. And that's totally acceptable. So you could do that as well on the beach, right? Is that is that right? Like you could just say, oh, hey, I'm yeah. going to have a picnic on the beach, some beers, some wine, some food. And, and and it's even cheaper than obviously than if you're going to a restaurant. Yeah, uh, for sure, a hundred percent. The only thing I would say is like, for example, in Varna, if you go to like the beach bars, I mean, if you're drinking like alcohol that you brought in from outside at a sure, beach sure. bar, sort of, you know. But um, yeah, other than that, like if you go to like a random beach, like yeah, like go for it, no problems. Man, we are going to have to do a lot of windsurfing and wakeboarding and maybe burpees on the beach to counteract the. <laughs> 75 cent two liter beers that uh that we're gonna be pounding uh when we go and have a picnic all right so that gives us an awesome overview man of bulgaria and what we always do at the end and i didn't even prep you for this of our destination diaries is we always do a can't miss a thing that you could skip like maybe something that is popular or people feel like they have to do when they go here where you're like ah, you you could maybe skip this like if you're pressed for time and then a thing that you wish you had done. Now that might be hard for you because you've been around Bulgaria and you've you've traveled a lot. But what for you if you're talking about a can't miss in Bulgaria? Like, hey, you're coming all the way here. What is the number one thing that someone has to do? Whether it be a certain specific thing or a place they have to go. What do you like? You just you got to do it. Like if you don't do anything else, this is the thing to do in Bulgaria. I mean, just because it's me and I mean, a hundred percent, like take this with a grain of salt because it's me. But I say, if you're coming in the summer to Bulgaria, like you cannot miss Varna. And I get really like, I think Plovdiv and Sofia get a lot more like international press. And so a lot of people go to those places, but they don't get to Varna. And I'm like, every time I see like a YouTuber that's done, I'm like, dude, you missed out. Like, like go just experience it, like give it a couple of days and just like have a good time. So I'd say can't miss. Definitely go to Varna. If you have the time, do not skip out on Suzopo or there's a couple of little like small towns there. So you like go to that south uh, coastal area where Suzopo is. Um, what was the other one? The, Wish the next one is, yeah, like a thing that you could skip or maybe that people come and think about doing. It's on the top 10 list and you're just like, eh. Yeah. Like, Okay, there's a certain age in Bulgaria, certain people in Bulgaria of a certain age who, if they heard me say this, they would definitely not be happy with me, but the communist stuff. Like, I get it. Communism is a really big and important part in Bulgarian history, and it's something that's really important to learn so that, you know, mistakes are not repeated and to, like, learn the history of that. But, like, you can get that elsewhere as well, right? Like people love coming to Bulgaria and like seeing all this like communist like stuff. And like, there's this really popular like um, building that was like under construction. It's in the mountains and it was like a Soviet, like it looks like a spaceship kind of thing. Like, I don't know if you've ever seen it. There's tons I, of I YouTubers go there. you've shown me a picture of this or someone has shown me a picture of this. Yeah. Yeah. The What, what was it it's meant called, to be? It was supposed to be like a, like, a symbol of like Soviet strength uh, or something like that. It's called Buzluja, I think. But anyways, like people love coming to these, yeah, Buzluja, and it kind of looks like a, like a, 
like a saucer, like a, you know, like aliens, like little green people with like a, like a, like a tower coming out of it. And people love going to these Soviet things. And I'm like, yeah, there's really cool history there and you've got a month to do it. But like, there's so much more than just communism to go and see in it, you know, like a, a history of communism in Bulgaria. So like I would say is if you got like a week or two, enjoy what Bulgaria is now and not so much what it used to be. Interesting. Great answer for that. Thank you. I had it scripted. I didn't. Yeah, I was going to say that was off the top of your head. I love it. <laughs> um, in terms of like things that I wish I'd done more, and this is really embarrassing for me as a Bulgarian, but I'd say the nature. Like when I go to Bulgaria, I spend my time in Varna because it's my happy place and I love the lifestyle there. But I really wish that I have spent more time more in that like internal part of Bulgaria where they're like small towns and going hiking and doing all these like little things that there's a lot to offer in that space um, in terms of like nature and hiking and that kind of stuff. And I just have not spent a lot of time experiencing that. I think that's probably true for everyone in their in their home country or an area they they grew up in, right? Is that you look around and all the little things kind of get missed because you're you're focused on the big things like, hey, here are the big cities, here's the capital city, here's Varna, here's this. Oh my gosh, there's these tiny towns that you wouldn't think twice about, but I might drive through being in Bulgaria and stop in and be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe there's this this cute town that that is an un you know an unearthed gem for me. So. All right. Awesome. And now, last question. Obviously, we're going to link everything up in the show notes. So there is a lot. As I said, good luck, Casey. Uh, maybe Mikko can send you <laughs> some notes here because finding some of these places is hard to pronounce. That's why we'll link it all up. We'll give you a little, maybe we we'll even do a little Google map of it, whatever we could do to help you understand Bulgaria. But would you recommend any other resources specifically? Or do you know of any other resources that you found does a good job with Bulgaria? You mean like websites or anything Either like that? Either websites or, hey, I and you know it's your own country, so you're probably not grabbing guidebooks and saying, oh, the Lonely Planet is better than the Rough Guides or whatever. But yeah, websites are just anything that you know that we can link up in the show notes that people can get a better idea or a slice of what Bulgaria has to offer. Um, I think if you Google, if you like YouTube Bulgaria, I think that there's been a lot of these like YouTubers that have been coming through Bulgaria recently. Um, and I've kind of like toyed around with watching the videos and there's several people who've done a really good job. I think, um, off the top of my head, my friend, Chris, the freelancer, Chris Dodds, he came to Bulgaria. He went to Sofia. He came and visited me in Varna. So he did a couple of videos that I think were good. Now that's tailored more towards like digital nomads, but I think you'd still get like a good idea of what it's like. Um, so I definitely say like check out YouTube. Um, the Bulgaria Tourism Board has also like started producing like these videos they're putting up on YouTube. Um, so you can see those and kind of get to like see a lot of the nature and they're much more professionally shot. Um, other than that, in terms of websites, um, there's one, I have zero affiliation with this website and it's just the one that comes to mind and it's kind of more food focused, but there's also a lot of information about Bulgaria. It's called Kashkaval Tourist and Kashkaval is the Bulgarian cheese. It's like provolone, but it's like our Bulgarian version of it. Um, I don't, I don't know anything about the guy who, or gal who runs it. I just know it's, it's, they've got good information there. Obviously I write about it on my own website, that remote life. I'd say those are it. And then also, um, you know, we've talked about this. We, we, I'm like friends of mine, Ian and Caroline, that I mentioned, uh, they have a tour company 
And we're doing a trip in Bulgaria this summer. And around that, we've done some content on Bulgaria as well. So if you go to lifenomading.com, there's some posts about Bulgaria there as well. Okay, so we'll link all that up in the show notes. But I want you just really quickly before I let you go, Miko, to talk about that trip because we'll get this podcast out in time for possibly for people to sign up for this Bulgaria trip. And if not, there might be other ones in the future. So you can at least, what's cool about the life nomading trip and the site is you have an itinerary, you explain it all. So even if you're listening to this later and the trip itself is over, you can get an idea of the itinerary because Miko, you put that together with them and have and play a huge part in this actual trip because they're coming to Bulgaria. So just where can people find out about that specific trip and if they're listening to it early enough, possibly even sign up to, to go on the trip? Yeah, so it's at lifenomading.com forward slash Bulgaria. And there you'll get kind of like the whole itinerary. It's all going to be in the summer. So it's going to be on the coast. So uh, it's all in Varna. Majority of it is in Varna. And then we're taking like three or four days, I think, to Suzopol, which is that town that I talked about with the figs. Um, so yeah, that, that whole trip is planned. We got like a sweet apartment and like house, like it's several apartments and like a house. So, um, it's going to be really cool. Uh, so yeah, if you want to find out more about that, it's lifenomading.com forward slash Bulgaria. Awesome. Thank you, man, for joining me for, I, like I said, you spur this wanderlust and I am no joke, a salivating because we did this right around lunchtime. Probably a bad idea because <laughs> I'm just thinking of the amazing salads I had in Greece and in Georgia and the fresh veggies and fruit. And I know it's very similar in Bulgaria. It's, that's what hit me so much in Georgia was all the produce was so fresh. Mm-hmm. You know, like dude, people are picking it off the tree and cutting you a tomato. And I don't yep. love tomatoes, but I'm eating and thinking, this isn't like any tomato I've ever had before in my life. Yeah, it's um, not plastic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So... I am sold on heading to Bulgaria. I know a lot of people out there, when you just combine the price with everything you can do with the idea that it's a bit off the beaten path, but not, you know, you're not, it's not hard, right? Like, that's what I love is the off the beaten path places that aren't crazy to get to. Like you mentioned, you can fly into Sofia very easily from anywhere in Europe, you know, getting around fairly easy. You're not like having to trek via camel to go to a destination or anything insane, that to me is the sweet spot. The the un the hidden gems that are fairly easy to get to that are cheap and have so much to offer and are going to give you that unique experience. And to me, and and obviously to you because you spend a lot of time talking about it, it's that's Bulgaria in a nutshell, right? Yeah, for sure. And and just to say this, um, if anybody's interested in like a guide, especially like if you are somebody who wants to be a digital nomad or a remote worker, and if you are interested in coming to Bulgaria for that, I will put something on my website. So if you go to thatremotelife.com forward slash epop, I'll have uh, like a digital nomad guide to Bulgaria that you can check out. Um, So yeah, go and get that. And then also just to give myself a little plug, if that's cool, uh, please check out my podcast, That Remote Show. Um, So yeah, talk about all about remote work and digital nomadism and kind of like starting a location independent business. So yeah. Nice. Yeah, I was going to let you, I was going to say, tell us where to find you. You just did. That's because you're a podcast house. That's your podcast house. You know what's coming. Uh, yeah, thatremotelife.com and then that remote show is the podcast and you can check that out. There may be a guest whose voice you recognize on that show sooner rather than later. I, uh, I won't spill the beans on who that is. But yeah, check it out. If you guys love Mikko on this, also send him some love. How can they reach out to you on social media? What's the best way to send you some love? 
Um, probably the social media that I'm most active on is Instagram, and uh, I'm on as Mitkoka, so it's essentially M-I-T-K-O, which is my first name, and then the first two letters of my last name, so M-I-T-K-O-K-A. I there mean, that go. way more confusing than necessary, but... <laughs> Mitkoka, you can find him there. Yeah, if you like this, please give him a shout, because I know I've talked with you about Bulgaria now. I mean, this was an hour. I've talked for another hour when we did the LI thing, and we've talked kind of informally about it as well. And I am, it is right there. Like, I'm saying, this is, I need to get there. I need to get to Varna. I need Mitko to show me around. I need to get that fig crepe. Maybe that's a selling point to Heather. She already wants to go. But when I say fig crepe, I think that's going to push her over the, uh, over the edge there. You want me to send you some pictures or like videos of them making it? I have some. There you go. Send us some pictures. (laughs) Awesome. Well, guys, we'll link everything up in the show notes because there's a lot of stuff and there's a lot of stuff that you probably can't pronounce, let alone spell. So we'll link that all up in the show notes. Casey's going to do an awesome job for us there. So make sure you use the show notes for this episode, especially. We always say they're super important for the Destination Diary episodes because there's just a lot that we that we link up and that we talk about. So you can get that extrapackofpeanuts.com slash shows. Mikko, thanks again, man. I'm salivating. I'm full of wanderlust. And all I'm doing is sitting here at noon in my house outside of Philadelphia thinking, when can I get to Bulgaria? So uh, I appreciate it, man. It was absolutely awesome. Thanks for sharing all your knowledge. Thanks for having me, buddy. I appreciate it. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in today for your continued support. And if you do want to help us out, go leave a rating review. You can do it for Mikko's show, too. I don't ask for it much, but if you're listening to this one, you've come all the way through. Go leave a rating review. That always, always helps. And until next time, happy free travels. I'll show you Paris.